Hey, what's going on? This is the Educated Guest Podcast. I'm Justin, your host. If you're just now joining us for the first time, this is not just a podcast. It's really a project based on this frustration of those who might have been self-taught in art design and those who are in school currently but can't seem to get their work commissioned at a higher level and to step it up. So you have these two factions of people who are frustrated and we're here to bridge that gap to provide the platform that connects both the people who are commissioning the work, the studios that are making it a large level, the stories of behind the scenes, and the people who simply want to get their voice heard and want to help in a way that they can do uniquely. This week we have Formus with Love, a Swedish design studio that not too many people in the States may know of, but if you do, you're on game, you know what's up. So Jonas, one of the co-founders, and I spent about an hour talking about what it takes to build a studio culture that lasts. A lot of people want to start their own, but lack the skills and the mindset to sustain any economy, success, or failure. This summer I was reading a book that was uh, called, I think, Culture Code. Um, that's something I'm quite interested in, even if it was part of this book that was maybe not super intriguing, but it was more like how to build culture. I think that's something we are in general really interested in, no matter if it's inspired from how it's done in a sport team or in a huge corporation or just among friends or like how do you actually create a place where you believe this is fun to go to work. Mm. Also the reason why we started this from the very first day now. So try to keep on, on that same track, so to speak. That was the last thing I read. Um, or reading somebody has been following me through this summer holiday I've been reading that book what's what's the name of it again I didn't catch a clear culture code culture code okay okay yeah Yeah. I I got the explanation (laughs) I'm like damn this sounds awesome like what (laughs) that was yeah and then I mean in terms of inspiration I mean we are quite a small team here so I think it would be very different if you ask the same question to the other people that uh, that I work with, but I tend to take quite broad inspiration. I, I don't see it as inspiration. Really. I just you know, consume documentaries or maybe a bit cliche, but I definitely prefer to meet a lot of people. Like I don't have that many. It's not something I've chosen, but I don't have a lot of designer friends. I have a lot of friends in the studio that is designers, but I mean, outside my profession i i think it's quite nice to to meet other people that are not in the same bubble is that uh, <laughs> uh, so to speak yeah because i think it can end up being a little bit of a bubble if you if you not step out from it and meet other people no definitely definitely that that's something that it's important to be cognizant of i think as younger people seek that you know validation of yeah, I'm finally owning my own studio or I finally do this, I finally do that, I'm finally living the creative life that I want. Then you end up boxing yourself in where all your friends are in that thing because you need to be inspired always. And I think I I love the concept of just being okay with yourself so much so that you can interact in other circles and not feel less than a creative or less than a designer simply because you went to dinner with people who have no idea what the hell industrial design is. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm, I mean, sometimes you end up in that kind of conversation, but I think a good sign of having a, a inspiring dinner or 
party or it's basically when I'm not speaking about my profession, but I'd rather speak about other things. Do you feel like there's a tendency to wrap one's identity in with their work, when it, especially in the creative field? Yeah, I think so. Uh, oh, I, I, I don't know if that's just for the creative field or if it's general, but definitely with people that have more passion in what they do, of course, you're more uh, willing to speak about it, I guess. Um, yeah. But, uh, I don't say it's, it's wrong, but I, I, I think it's more interesting and more inspiring to actually talk about other things. But I think that also has to put in the context where I'm spending a lot of time working thinking about work so it's kind of revealing to do or not revealing that's not uh, like it's refreshing to do other things and 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 yeah think about other things than than design now that we know a little bit more about you know the inspiration on the consistent basis kind of the routine of living the creative life if you will might have heard by this time they would have heard my little intro of who you are and based on my understanding but i always like to give people the chance to introduce themselves and tell stories about hey here's how i got where i am and here's why i'm worth listening to and here's what i'm still looking to learn so real quick what makes jonas jonas and you know how do you how would you like to introduce yourself to the audience listening right now Oof. this is actually the what we talked about before like when you kind of have this conversation at at parties or dinners i usually get a bit uh, nervous <laughs> i don't know why yeah speaking about uh, telling what i'm doing but I'm, I mean, I started the studio 13 years ago. So, I mean, I'm a designer, but I think my interest on the conversation we had a little bit earlier on, like what I read right now, I think I'm equally interested in creating teams or culture or how to collaborate. Those things are equally interested for me as design. So that's maybe why I'm having the role as I'm having today, which is like more overall maybe overseeing the studio and thinking about what's happening next and what would, what would we do five years from now? Uh, what makes it inspiring to go to work for everyone? So that's kind of the conversation I love to have with everyone on a daily basis here in the studio. I love that because it sounds like that's the consistent passion or want from people at, at that young level. And then somewhere along the road, you know, you're 16 and you hit that bump of like, oh, shit, I got to do work first. Why can't I just like oversee the studio? I mean, Jonah said that's what he does. So why can't I just like automatically have my studio, have my employees and think big and think broad? Do you feel like there was a time where you were at that, you know, young 20s, late teens? I don't know how long it might have lasted, if it's still going on or what, where you're like, I really, I know that I want to think broader about what design impact can be made through my work and through the work of this studio. But I know I got to get this work done right now. And I know I got to cut my teeth, whether it be in school or in that first job out of school. Like, What's your opinion on that kind of transition? Yeah, and I think that is the conversation we're having, as I said before, like on a, on a daily basis in our studio, but also more like an overall bigger perspective, like each half a year. Uh, I was trying something that, we basically like did a workshop where everyone was talking about what's their dream life. Mm. So instead of talking about um, what is our real dreams, like what do we actually want to fulfill with our lives? Um, is it about building our own house or is it about growing crops or is it to earn a certain amount of money? All aspects of all, all the people in the studio and, and that kind of 
was not intentionally, but it turned us or like it went from people's dreams to actually things we could do inside the studio. So we could start working on projects that we actually wanted to do and be more what to say, proactive, contacting people that was leading us to those dreams. How, how I don't know if that was, I don't, oh, sorry. Yeah, that's, that's an, an, I'm not looking for any particular answer. I just, I'm <laughs> providing the, the platform for you to share the, the perspective. And I love that perspective, actually. Um, not just being agreeable just for the sake of being agreeable, but I do love that constant safe space, if you will. I hate the word safe space, but at the same time, providing that for your employees, providing that for your 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 collaborators to say, hey, like, yeah, we're doing cool shit here, but at the same time, there's more to this than simply making cool shit so that we win this award, so that we do this, so we do this. What do you want? And I think understanding what everybody wants and what motivates them, I think that produces a pretty cohesive environment to actually get cool stuff done. And uh, it sounds like that's the path you're on. Yeah, I mean, there are big companies that are managing this quite well, I think, but there is also a lot of companies that are missing out. They are more looking into what is our profits, what is our uh, efficiency. And I think I'm not very old, but I'm soon 40. But I mean, if you are in your 20s or you're not so interested in those to be part of that kind of system. Yeah. So it's rather being like, finding a bigger meaning of why you should spend eight plus hours per day in many, many years. Um, what, is the re- what is the real reason for that? Do you feel like, uh, we've got some more questions to get into, but I love this kind of back and forth dialogue on this topic in particular, but do you feel like too many designers or creatives in general are rushing to entrepreneurship? Do you feel like there's overvalue on entrepreneurship right now? I can't tell. Um, <laughs> I think it's, if you want to rush into it, I think that's something that person should do because I don't think there is anyone really able to stop a person that really wants to do something. If I just take us or, I mean, we, we started the studio straight from school and there was nothing really that, it was just something we had to do. Yeah. Um, maybe it would have been better in many many different ways of like having a few years of work experience but at the same time it's kind of blessing to be ignorant if that sounds really bad but i thought we were much much better 12 years ago than i know that we are today Uh, and i think that was the bless at that time because we were not good but we thought we were good so then you get like the self-confidence of maybe doing the things that i'm today think i would never ever do but then, of course, the experience is also super valuable working as an entrepreneur or a designer. No, but I think there is, there is many different ways of doing it. And there is no like, answer or guide for it's really up to each person. Do you feel like I have to do this right now? It's just to, to do it and uh, see it as like, if it doesn't go well, it's just one favor. The next time it will be good. Uh, or if someone feels like I really want to have more experience that's also another setup yeah it seems like there's and I'm, I'm learning this as i go through life i mean i'm still relatively young so i'm like learning that almost the paramount thing is confidence and trusting in your own ideas and mm-hmm. i think everybody in creative worlds or creative careers or not 
wants to have their story told in some form or fashion, whether that be through the products you make, through the stories you write, through the interviews you give. Everybody kind of wants to hear, and that's natural, and that's okay. However, I found that it's easy to get wrapped up into the tendency of wanting to have your voice heard. You know, you don't really trust in, hey, like, my idea is this. Let me go for it. And I think that along the way, whatever I'm learning, whatever it takes to kind of build that confidence. So it sounds like for you, you know, you didn't need another studio to tell you that you were good enough to start your own. And Mm. at the same time, just because somebody goes and works in another studio doesn't mean that they are any less than you. It's just their path and it's them building their own confidence because maybe they didn't have formal training up until a certain period of time, or maybe they didn't have the background or, you know, and it's, I'm learning again as a young guy that's like, hey, man, like you chart your own path, you learn how you learn, you grow how you grow. At the end of the day, if you're being true to you, then that's that sounds like the most important part. Yeah. And then I guess I might be also differences in, in, in different, I mean, where you are placed in the world. Sweden has a certain um, environment. The United States, where you live, is, is another environment. I mean, it's also like there is no like one model like this is my five tips to like this and it will work. I don't have that. This is what I'm learning because you're not the first uh, international guest I've had on the show. And I'm learning the difference between, and obviously through traveling, I've been all pretty much every continent except Antarctica and South America. So I guess that's not too many. But at the same time, I've been to a lot of places. I'm seeing that America has this sort of, maybe Western culture as a whole has this, all right, you got to do it the way I did it. And if you didn't, then at the end of the day, you're not good enough because you didn't do it the way I would have done it. And I'm mm. seeing that there's this difference. And I want to talk more about Swedish design and how this might translate into actual product because I mean, I want to get into the tactics too. But I'm seeing yeah. that this difference between in the States right now, it's kind of a race to be Virgil Abloh kind of going on, at least in the yeah. younger culture. It's like everybody wants to be a designer to work on huge projects with huge brands, make it in their own style and then release their own products at the side. And I'm seeing that maybe that's not everybody's path. I think we're saying the same thing. And even if we're not, I want to be be clear about what you're saying too, but let me know. I can see just described on the, a few people that have that opportunity to, to work with the big brands. And I think when we started, we had the same situation in furniture industry. I'm not 100% sure if this is like a, uh, the right conclusion, but I think it has like on the financial situation as well. Like when we started, there was like very good financial situation in the world. Yeah. And there was room for designer stars. So it's a good word or a bit like <laughs> rock star designers. Yeah, yeah. On a, on a very high financial growth, there is usually more room for experimental conceptual design that we were seeing back in 2005 yeah and designer was i think much more like artists or stars or uh, and that was also many of course when you study that's what you you're looking up to and think this is the the way to go um but i think for us it was also very hard to relate to so uh, our approach on it was rather to see what can we actually how can we do something long term like how to, can we do something that is relevant or uh, how can we really motivate why we do so, do stuff and and that was not super relevant 2005 but then 2008 2009 10 then we start seeing that we we 
our way of working was a little bit more accepted than 2005. <laughs> this goes in kind of cycles um, yeah. and will continue to do so. What would you say your style of working is? Because I love, I love what you're talking about, and I think it's super inspiring given the current economic climate where we're at an all-time high. And yeah. I studied economics in undergrad, so I'm okay. well aware of you know how things work in cycles, and mm. it's tough to stay true to your go back to like trusting yourself, right? When you see people operating this way, that way, that way, and you want to be trendy, you want to keep up, you want to keep up, but at the same time, yeah. you know in your heart or in your gut that like yeah, something's not right about this. It's a little half baked. I want to make sure it's yeah. full, fully baked when I do it. So, what what would you say about your style as a studio? I mean, we we definitely tried that path when we started because that was the path that was most. I mean, when you went to Milan, just graduated, you saw these shows with uh, very known names during during their one offs or very experimental designs. We tried that, but basically, I think our made it possible for us was the fact that we were a group. And we couldn't really discuss some um, rationality in why those idea was needed. Yeah. Try to come up with ideas that was more like based on maybe um, dreams or uh, something we couldn't really argue around. For us, it's like super important that we can actually argue about what, why we take a decision and why we do things. And that's why I think we soon fall into some very like more like rational uh, way of working with design based on like what is a problem how can we solve a problem what uh, what machines do we have what can they produce what materials do we have those kind of discussions we have and then hopefully it ends up being something poetic or beautiful in the end but it never starts in the end of like from an aesthetic ambition uh, but it really starts from uh, very rational uh, measurable things that we can actually discuss it sounds like there's that foundational need to you know argue on the principles as opposed to the taste i'm learning that as i grow but i want to make sure that's what you're saying yeah and hopefully it goes with everything that's why why we why we buy stuff it's like do i actually need another jacket or do i actually need another bag or whatever it can be Um, and i think that's our job as designers to actually do a lot of those mistakes before things actually go to production so we should basically throw away at least 99 percent of all the things we do uh, in order to have a few maybe one percent or something that is actually from our experience or from our knowledge that is actually good enough to to pass the um, like to be produced basically and when i think about principles i think about maybe this even like unnecessary battle between industrial design and architecture there seems to be a lot of overlap. Like industrial designers can move into interior design, and arguably that's what the Balks brand is. I believe it. Make sure I'm pronouncing yeah. that correctly. And it, it yeah, can, yeah. And I was looking at your hood concepts over over the tables where you have, you know, you're basically creating media space, which technically in the past might have been an architect's job. Or so I, I, it's, it's tough for on the outside looking in for people to be like, what's architecture versus what is interior design? Therefore, what do I study? You know, what is the foundation that I need to get so that I can think more critically about what decisions I'm making? Even if it means I end up making sneakers, <laughs> even if it means I end up yeah. making watches, what foundational principles do you think are similar between architecture and industrial design? I mean, the cross the cross-disciplinary 
something I think is going to be super important. Maybe the the job of a designer, so one one path of a designer is to actually be the the link in between many different disciplines. Because usually what happens is like people are really progressive in certain fields, but to find that connections is one quite I think rewarding uh, role as a designer can have. The privilege with that is that you basically meet a lot of people and try to connect the dots from maybe new technology or user experience or uh, production or there are so many different fields that we uh, at least experience that we can use Uh, and if you come into that how to say this uh, i think if you start a, a project with a blank white paper and you should start to sketch great ideas you would basically fail or for us it's like that (laughs) but if we start with you know visiting different people and you know have conversations we gather so much information so the ideas tend to just come to you instead of you running after them that that is like one important role for designer and then you asked about i think architecture and design was that specifically or or was it more like a metaphor for the collaborative work or yeah both metaphor and and specifically like i guess a more specific question would be do you feel like you could design a building if you needed to and what point could you get it up to before you had to hand it off because it's Uh, arguable that an architect could design any product that you could but could you do the opposite i mean i think we have huge respect for people doing buildings and uh, those projects but we you should joke a little bit like how hard can it be <laughs> we, understand, we understand that it's super hard so it's not it's not time we it's more like something we we say sometimes but what actually happened right now is that we are working on our first architecture project wow. uh, so sometimes jokes can be good because it can make something um, you can start thinking that it's actually possible to do something that you otherwise would never think about doing but if we go into like we do now in this feel that we it's new to us we we make sure we have competences that we do do not have you know in in the collaboration i think we will do so many mistakes if we try to to be architects like architects are uh, so we will come from another perspective and work together with architects in order to do something uh, and hopefully bring a new perspective on on from our end which would be maybe not a scale i think it's usually the the designer's role if we work on designing a share for ikea or, or something it's it's a very one-to-one scale prototyping how does it feel like holding this thing or what is the user experience whether for uh, building a huge building it's of course you need to think also that scale but it can't really have that focus in a complete building as you can have on industrial design objects yeah i think having the different scale perspectives could be quite interesting to and to use designers, if I'm thinking of Sweden, we're building a lot of, of new uh, buildings because we need more housing. But uh, I rarely hear about like how designers are used in those projects. How can we actually build uh, rather than building more buildings? I, I love that perspective. And it's, it's almost like uh, I think people are frustrated about the starting point, right? I can speak from experience. The starting point is usually the hardest part for a particular type of person. My, my style is very driven, very academic. Uh, I enjoy having you know clear reasoning behind why this is where you should start, or at least a suggestion, mm-hmm. and then set me there and I'm off. And I think a lot yeah. of people can relate to that. And I think 
what you were saying, I know you don't like giving advice or anything like that, but I think that can serve as something that people can listen to and be like, damn, cool. So it's not it's not even this complicated about where I start is absolutely where I have to finish. I can start here and the collaboration yeah. ends up, I bring in this perspective and it's all about, it sounds like what you're saying. I want to be sure that giving a certain perspective is almost more important than having autonomy over a decision that guides the whole project. I'm not sure what to say. But, yeah. Uh... You can just agree. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, <I'm man>. great. <laughs> Nonetheless, I, I love what you've said yeah. this far. And even if you don't like giving advice, let's just assume that, hey, like, damn, you sold me on industrial design. You sold me on, I need to do a studio. I want to be like you, man, when I grow up and I'm 20 years old and I have the time, I have the resources, I have the know-how, the aptitude. Now I've got some tactical questions and just to walk through the scenario naturally the first question is well shit how do i even get money to start my own studio and how do i pay my employees the first six to 12 months and <laughs> do i need to get a loan do i need to get trust fund baby do i need to be that do i need you know how does that work yeah. i think there is so many different uh, ways of doing it I, I can just speak from how, how we do and how i probably will continue to do it i'm not a big fan of loans in general for instance, when we started, I couldn't take any salaries in the beginning. So what I decided to do was to go to another job by night to get some money, basically to just pay the rent and, and eat for, that was kind of six months. Um, it was not very fun, but uh, I think that path was more important to kind of stay, like what I saw the my dream, my dream project to start Four Months With Love, to not uh, go on a path that I didn't like. Of course, we did a, a few projects that maybe we wouldn't do today, but we knew where we wanted and we knew where, like, where is our, how do, well, how do we want to see the future? And instead of just going for the money to, to eat, I think that kept us stay on the right path. But for some people, I mean, you see a lot of ways, other, other, totally other ways of if you want to grow fast. I mean, you, you can borrow money, you can do crowdfunding. There's so many different ways. I think people in general have a lot of stress too. And it seems to need to happen so fast. But there is some beauty, in, I think, to, to be passionate in something and have persistence. Someone has done something for many, many years and they continue to be better each year instead of just do a great year and then fade out. I love I loved that. And that's, keep going. And I, I don't, I, I don't think money will make you better, but of course money is like uh, if there is a loan or, or whatever, it definitely give you some kind of breathing air. But you also see a lot of times when you get those money and you burn them. Uh, and then six months later, you are in the same place as you were before. So we are in some other situation where we started companies that are more in growth need. Uh, but when we talk about uh, money and, and those things, it's, uh, it should be on, on the right level. You should never have money to just pay salaries or so on. But if there is like money to maybe invest in a machine that could take you to the next level or to have a nicer uh, office just for the sake of it, it doesn't uh, give you anything in the beginning. So when did you get to that point where you felt like you could quit that night job that you're frustrated with? I know this is like typical entrepreneurship conversation here, but 
I think it helps yeah. from the design perspective. I mean, we have to put in, in perspective that we started just when we were students. So uh, my needs as being like 24, 25 was basically uh, cheap food and have money for beers uh, <laughs> right. uh, at the weekend. So the money needed was very low. Uh, and you're used to that when you're a student. So it it was like six months. Uh, I worked. We've been always really persistent when it comes to kind of work hours. We worked like, I think it was eight at that time, like eight to five. And then from six to nine or 10, I worked uh, on another job and continued like that for six months. But it's not a sustainable way for a long time, I think, yeah. to work long hours. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's something you said along the way was, Maybe in the beginning you had to do a few projects you didn't really like or you wouldn't accept today. But I want to talk about the projects today. And I, I think, yeah. like I said in the beginning, this isn't an advertising platform per se. But I do think it gives people context of, damn, he said all this. What has he actually worked on? And they should know what you've worked on because you know what the hell you're talking about, even though I get the sense that you might be more humble than most about it. The IKEA project, I think, is the one that people would resonate with the most because... There's damn near an Ikea in every big city in the U.S. now. And primary audience for this podcast thus far is in the U.S. And I think people know that, damn, this mindset can scale like that. This mindset can get me these projects I dream about. So I want to ask you first just to walk through that process of getting Ikea as a collaborator, not necessarily a client, but Mm. when they're commissioning work from you and your studio, what is that even like? First of all, they approached us probably seven years ago. That was specifically for working on uh, a share uh, that is called Janninge. Uh, hard to pronounce those Swedish uh, <laughs> names. <laughs> yeah, I just know the picture. Um, just know the picture of it. That's how I keep up. <laughs> and, and I think we were extremely lucky uh, coming from what we believe in was really the right timing, and that's usually also. I think a common thing that you need to have some kind of luck or timing in where you are in life and where where, where collaborations are. I think we came in at a time where we they really want to work with us and we want to work with them. And, and it was a project that we felt like we were quite used to. But it's quite different, of course, working with IKEA because it's such a huge company. Uh, the projects are quite long. There is a lot, lot of uh, you need to tick in a lot of boxes. Price, as you know, is one that makes it quite challenging to work in the project. Suits us quite well. So the first project took probably almost three years. Uh, and then we've been working on a few more uh, during the years. But it has been quite heavy industry design or project that they've been investing quite much into. So we had the, think, the opportunity or the fortune to work on things that was actually important for the brand and important for the business we could really work on on the project for do you feel like there's a sense of having made it after you got that gig i think we are not even thinking like that uh we're constantly hoping it will happen for us i think that's kind of our mindset every time it calls in the phone we are like joking a bit like now it's happening finally (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when does it actually happen though? Like that's that's the the constant battle. I think younger yeah, people. Yeah, I think for, for for us, it's. I mean, it's equally. Of course, really, I'm not saying it's. We really value it high when we have 
Uh, last week we had Sony called us, or I mean, those companies when they actually find our phone number, it's it's really of course super excited about it. But at the same time, going to a small factory that challenges what they can do and, and do something with that equally, I think challenging. We like the uh, the big context and the small context, the things in between. Yeah, I, I think that perspective is keeps you motivated to keep going, or at least it keeps you level. Because naturally, I don't know. I feel like I'm growing out of this a little bit, you know, whether by force or by my own conviction of just wanting to rest on the laurels. I think that's natural. Maybe an even West, very American thing to do. Where, I mean, I love living in America and all that good stuff, but at the same time, it's I think there's a tendency to want to reach that pinnacle, and it's like. Yeah, look at me. Like, you know, I just designed a chair for IKEA, right? <laughs> and mm. I know that people are buying this shit, right? You want to sit there and then you start thinking, you get on this addictive pattern of, all right, I just did IKEA. What's bigger than IKEA? I need to do bigger. And it goes back to that rock star mentality of think about music. It's like I start off in, mm. the, in the coffee shop, then I got to do the local theater, then I got to do the local high school gym then i gotta do the arena then i gotta do stadium and then what's after stadium yeah it's uh it's a very similar idea i think your mindset is key and that sharing that mindset is key for us it's the the way we we are and how we act it works well for us i think that the the problem we sometimes talk about is like we should definitely celebrate or like why are we not celebrating this and uh, i think we're we're doing it in a way in our way, I, that's how I figured out because we really tried throughout the years to to celebrate, like we see in movies, like you know, you, you buy a, <laughs> a champagne, yeah. or, uh, you know, to like, and it's always a little bit awkward in the studio when you do that. It's, it's better to to do other things for us to to celebrate the, those classic ways. How do you celebrate? That's an interesting topic, right there. I think that's also the the advantage of being a team because everyone is. Uh, is celebrating in different ways. Some people really, really like me and, and Barta. Uh, she's from Spain and we went to Spain this week to visit a new potential uh, partner. And, you know, we went to small, small uh, workshops and went out eating and really digested the culture there. And uh, that's super rewarding for us, uh, whether for someone else in the studio, more like when the first prototype comes, um, when we have been working on something and you finally see the... The, the sample or and for some it's like when something actually is launched and, and so on but i think we celebrate hopefully like small celebration uh, as often as possible but it's more uh, the work in itself it's kind of celebration and of course it also is uh, the other way around like one day it's really good the next day oh jesus now it's really really tough uh, and then up next day so it's, um, even if now when i'm speaking it sounds like uh, chaotic i wouldn't say it's chaotic but it's emotionally it's like you're going uh, excitement to this is a problem how can we solve it so that's kind of the beauty of the job i think to to be constantly pending uh, moods i absolutely love that uh, i'm not just patting you in the bag just because you're only a guest on the show but i truly do think that is a healthy mindset to edit the way you celebrate remind yourself of what you actually like otherwise you end up like you said popping champagne even though you like champagne but at the same time like popping it is actually just wasteful to you because you're like damn it i wish i could have actually drank half of that that had just spilled all over the counter um <laughs> and i think it, it reminds you of like hey this is this is my way of celebrating and if you don't like it 
screw you and I'm going to enjoy the fact that this product just came out or this prototype or I'm going to enjoy feeling it in my hands for the first time. All that stuff I think is key. Mm -hmm. And I just want to thank you for that perspective. Just I think it's key. Yeah. Moving on in the conversation, though, like I, I do want to just recap kind of where we've been because I think we're wrapping up in just a second. I only got really one more question, but mm -hmm. I think it's key to kind of remind people that we've moved through not just, hey, built this chair for Ikea. Uh, I have a studio I started right out of school. So fuck all you people who think you need to go back and work for everybody else. That's not what we're here talking about. We've talked about the type of mindset that is key to persevere quietly but consistently and in the right way over time. And I think that it trumps any timing the market mindset. You know what I'm saying? People who are trying to buy low, sell high. It beats any mindset that's like, hey, well, I need to get this validation from X company and then I'll be on and then I'll be good to go. And I think that's the key. And this is the discussion that keeps this thing going for me because I do this every week. I want to share these perspectives because this is what I wish I would have had when I was 16, 17, 18, and I'm, I'm 25 now, so I'm growing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But I'm 25 <laughs> now, and I'm growing into this perspective of, hey, well, there's stuff I can leverage from my childhood, and there's stuff I can leverage from my young adulthood. There's stuff I can still leverage from people who are, I hate to remind people how old you are, but I love talking to people who are around almost 40. It's almost like that uncle or aunt mindset of, all right, you're not about to tell me what to do, you don't feel like you're there enough to tell somebody what to do, but you've been around the block and you've seen economic cycles. You've seen people come and go more than a 25 or 18 or 20 year old has seen. And I think that's key just to get that perspective of like, yeah, I know what the hell I'm talking about, but at the end of the day, you got to learn this on your own. And I think that's just a healthy way of advising someone. <laughs> In that same vein, the last question I do have is yeah. just what would you say to the 17 year old version of yourself? That's a good uh, question. 17, I was so not even close to think about uh, design, but <laughs> so cl cliche to, to say these things. But I mean, to try to figure out what is actually fun, rewarding, and what might be something I want to do right now and also be long-term. Uh, you can always change, but I, I would hope I would... Uh, I wouldn't suggest myself to go into uh, finding like an education or or job that you know this is good because you can earn money from it or uh, this is the way for having a good life. That wouldn't be a good suggestion for for me. I think, um, but for some people maybe. But um, so yeah, <laughs> I dig it, man. I <laughs> I love that answer. It's no right or wrong. I mean, right? Like it's that's your answer and. <laughs> I, I do want to leave people with an ability to keep up with what you're doing with the studio, how y'all are working, how where, where can they hear your voice, your opinions more? Because I think if they're anything like me, they're going to dig exactly everything you've said and they're going to be like, damn, I needed this reminder. And how can I get this on a more consistent basis? Not that it's your responsibility, but how can they continue to keep up and support? Yeah, we, we have, but I mean, you can mention it later if you want. But it's four months with Loud, it's our uh, name, so you'll probably find a few things there. That's it for another week. I hope you enjoy the conversation again. I can't make it a point enough to let everybody know this is not an advertising platform for people to come and kind of tell their stories and everybody look at them upon high, right? And everybody who joins me on the show understands that. 
This is about impact. This is about being the connecting node between those who simply don't even know where the door is, let alone have the courage and confidence to break it down or pick the lock. So we're trying to give everyone a seat at the table here, whether you are self-taught and grew up just loving, loving, loving art in general, and just being a consumer and wanting to move from being a consumer to a creator, or you already are a creator and you're looking to take it to that next level. We're here to serve, yet we're here to provide this unique perspective too. This is a platform, this is a project, it's an idea that's ever growing and evolving and changing. So if you've been with us from the start, I appreciate your patience and I appreciate your attentiveness and I appreciate your support. And if you're not already following us, it's at edu.guess. Peace.